Hello, my name is Javed Iqbal. I'm a nutrient management and water quality specialist at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm here to talk about the effect of manure use on water quality. Here are the outlines that I am going to talk about today. First, I will be spending few minutes on the water quality issues that we often see in the headlines. And then we will go through the sources of water contamination. And at the end, we will look at the solution to the soil and water resources, or wa water issues that we are facing. So starting with water quality issues, I want you to look at the interaction of four life components, soil, air, water, and vegetation. We apply manure and fertilizers in the soil to, to feed the crop. So however, uh, depending on how much fertilizer you are, you are putting, when you are putting, which place you are putting, some of the fertilizer is being uptaken by the crop, while the other nutrients, they can move to air and water components. So, um, the, so interaction between those four, these four components is really vital because mismanagement or misuse of resources in, for example, in soil component can have some negative impact on air and water resources. For example, here is a USA map showing how the land use management in the states has affected and caused eutrophic and hypoxic conditions at the west coast, east coast, and Gulf of Mexico. Here, the red dots indicate the hypoxic condition, uh, while the yellow dots indicate uh, the, uh, the eutrophic conditions, while the um, green dots indicate the system in recovery. Before we proceed further with the presentation, I want to make sure that you all understand eutrophic and hypoxia, so we are on the same page. Eutrophication occurs when nutrient runoff from agricultural lands to lakes, to uh, rivers, or to water bodies. This nutrient in enrichment in the water bodies increases the growth of algae. These algae blocks sunlight for the aquatic life. As these algae die, it consumes up oxygen in, in, the, in this water. So this depleted oxygen uh, can affect affect aquatic life, and this zone with depleted oxygen is called hypoxia or hypoxic zone. You may have heard of hypoxia issue in the Gulf of Mexico. Nutrients in the runoff from the Mississippi River, they run off through the Mississippi, in the Mississippi River basin, they run off through the Mississippi River to the Gulf of Mexico. This nutrient enrichment in the Gulf of Mexico leads to severe eutrophication and ultimately to hypoxia with oxygen depleted to more than to, to less than two parts per million this depleted uh, oxygen depleted zone that we call hypoxia is also known as dead zone and which can has some adverse effect on the aquatic lives in uh, the, the red spots that you are seeing in this gulf of mexico uh, the dead zone, it has a recorded increase in, area, in its area in year 2017. 
and it was almost the size of you know New Jersey. If the nutrients uh, run off into the Gulf of Mexico is continue to increase, we will see more expanded area for this dead zone. Harmful algal blooms is another water quality issues that we are facing. This is not an algae. This is a cyanobacteria that looks like algae. This cyanobacteria gains energy by photosynthesis. And this is known as toxic blue-green algae. You may have seen this kind of algal blooms in local rivers and lakes. And this appears in the form of foam, scum, or mats on the surface of the water. This is produced from a combination of different uh, conditions, for example, water temperature, low water depth, and presence of excess nutrients and wind. This blue-green algae also produces a substance called microcystin toxin. Now the question is, who cares if these rivers and seas or water body bodies turns green? Who is more affected by this green water? I think we are all affected because these water quality issues or the green water affects public health. Depending on the type of algae, these algal blooms can have some severe health effects and even can cause death. Eating seafood contaminated with these toxins from algae called alexandrium can lead to paralytic shellfish poisoning, which can cause paralysis. And these water issues also have a significant impact on fish industry. The eutrophication not only destroys the valuable fish and shrimps, but this also affects the habitats for other marine, marine life. And these water quality issues also has a big effect on the tourist industry. Nobody would want to visit the poisonous and odorous coastal areas. The effect of harmful algal blooms can also be seen at our local scale. You may have seen some warning signs at rivers or lakes whenever you visit them. This is because exposure to these harmful algal blooms can have some health issue effects for livestock, human, and pet health. Last year, Nebraska issues health alert for the same toxic blue-green algae that killed three dogs in North Carolina. These health alerts were issued for no two northeast Nebraska locations. And some designated swimming spots were also closed during this alert. In the past, some lakes have also been closed because of these issues, because of the safety reason. If these algal blooms will continue to grow because of the nutrient runoff, we may see some regulations coming. Now we will look at the sources of those water contamination. Actually, there are two types of uh, water contamination, or there are two sources for this contamination, non-point sources and point sources. Non-point sources of contamination results from a runoff uh, from city streets, uh, urban areas, rural homes, croplands, or animal feedlot. These sources are more diffused, and they are really difficult to tease apart.
while the point sources they are very direct sources uh, and these results uh, from effluent runoff from wastewater treatment plant or from factory or some chemical industries these are direct sources and they are very easy to identify in today's presentation i am going to focus on the agricultural sources of non point pollution now you may wonder how much of these agricultural sources or non-point sources contribute to water quality issues? Here are a couple of pie charts which shows the nutrient load, the phosphorus and nitrogen load to the Gulf of Mexico. On the left chart, you would see that agricultural crops contributes about 43% of phosphorus load to the Gulf of Mexico while the livestock contributes about 37% of it, which is really a big number. For nitrogen agricultural crops, they are major contributor and contributes about 66% of nitrogen load, while livestock contributes 5% of the nitrogen load. Now, how much this nitrogen or, or nutrient load is occurring from Nebraska? Let's look at this uh, graph that is taken from USGS. As you can see in this map, there are some states those has more load compared to the other states in the Mississippi River Basin. For example, Iowa, Illinois, Missouri or Arkansas, they have more nutrient load. In Nebraska, we have significant load from the eastern Nebraska or the central east or the north, uh, northeast side of the Nebraska. Now you may wonder how the phosphorus from your field moves to Gulf of Mexico or moves to our local lakes and ponds or other water reservoirs. Well, the problem starts when we apply phosphorus more than the crop needs. This excessive phosphorus enters ponds, lakes and reservoirs in runoff. In order to better understand, let's look at the phosphorus cycle in lakes. The phosphorus enters in runoff through in the form of dissolved phosphorus and particulate phosphorus. Out of these two forms of phosphorus, particulate phosphorus has a major contribution. It consists of 75% to 90% of total P in the runoff. What is more desirable for the algal growth is the bioavailable phosphorus. And this bioavailable bio phosphorus consists of dissolved phosphorus in about 20% to 40% of particulate phosphorus. Where does the other particulate phosphorus go? Well, 60% to 80% of particulate phosphorus settles in the form of sediment P in the water reservoirs. That can be referred as eutrophication time, time bomb because this sediment phosphorus becomes bioavailable over time and continues the eutrophication over time. Now, let's look at some of the solutions to the soil and water issues that we are facing. It is really challenging. How do we deal with these issues? Well, the solution to the non-point sources or phosphorus pollution is a watershed approach. The flow of nutrients in runoff is, is always downstream. 
the nutrients flow from field to channel to stream, pond, and to ocean. And we also see the effects of those nutrient contamination at our local scale at, at rivers, lakes, and ponds. So the, the flow of the nutrients is commonly downstream. However, the solution is upstream. It starts at the field scale. What you can do about these issues? You already know, keep phosphorus local. Good phosphorus management practices are really important. Managing fertilizers and manure in such a way that we can reduce the phosphorus runoff is a good strategy. Controlling soil erosion is a big component for, re for reducing phosphorus runoff into the, water, uh, into the surface waters because most of the phosphorus is attached to the soil particles. So adopting some of the conservation practices like grass waterways, no-till, filter strips, terraces and cover crops can help us to reduce the soil erosion while reducing the phosphorus runoff to the surface waters. Controlling ephemeral gully erosion is a big component of soil erosion. As you can see in a picture on the right, a thermal gully region, which forms in the, in the form of small channels when there is unprotected soils. NRCS has some guidelines on fixing this thermal gully region. Now, you may wonder how much phosphorus loss is occurring from your own individual fields. While to, to know that Nebraska Phosphorus Index is a way to go. UNL Extension Circular 195 has guidelines on how you can use this Nebraska Phosphorus Index. This Phosphorus Index tool is free, freely available on the Animal Manure Management website. In my next presentation, I am going to demonstrate how you can use this phosphorus index tool to estimate the phosphorus risk loss from your agricultural field to near surface water. With this, I would be happy to take any questions. You can reach out to me through my email or phone number that I have listed here. Thank you.